This is Radio 66.6. The Anarcho Geek Power Hour has been taken over. My name is Molly Badam. I'm your humble host. I'm here today with Annie Rose Malamet and Lizanne Cobalt Chrome. Would you please introduce yourselves? Uh, Annie? Yeah, sure. I'm Annie Rose Malamet, and I am the host of the podcast Girls, Guts, and Giallo, which examines subversive and controversial film through queer sex work and leather history. I'm a film critic. I write for various publications over the last decade or so, and I do some Blu-ray and DVD commentaries. And yeah, I'm the I'm the the film slut. <laughs> awesome. Excellent. Cool. So my name is Lizanne and and let's see, I am a sex educator, witch, artist, and yeah, I, let's see, I don't know, kind of my background is uh, in various, across the kind of spectrum of various kinds of sex work and sex education and um, multimedia art and so that's kind of where I'm coming from. Great. And as I said, I'm Molly Badam. Um, my pronouns are she, her. I don't know if you'll want to do your pronouns um, in a second here. And I am the author of the short story Mall Parts. It's coming out on Strangers in a Tangled Wilderness Press. Um, and mostly just uh, not really the film guy. I'm really kind of the, I'm kind of just a, pervert and an ex-prostitute so uh mostly here for flavor um but i will be directing us all right and uh i'm sorry pronouns annie and lizanne uh my pronouns are she her i'm also an ex-prostitute and um yeah happy to be here um i use she her or zizir um yeah. Thanks. Thank you so much for coming, both of you. Um, our normal host, Io, is not uh, available to make it this week, so we are filling in. Um, with or without their consent. Um, so let's get rolling. So I wanted to talk to you guys about a few films. I know, um, Annie, you're going to be able to, like, point to you're such a prolific uh podcaster and uh writer that I know you're going to be able to be like I actually have an in-depth episode about this that I'd love to point you to but um I still wanted to pick y'all's brains a little bit about um some mostly movies but I'm actually if there's any other pieces of art that relate to sex work that really resonate with you I would love to hear about them yeah, so one of my favorite, I just wanted to jump right in and start talking about one of my favorite films. I don't know um, if y'all have seen it. It's Lizzie Borden's Working Girls, which just to me is my favorite depiction of sex work that I think I've ever seen in any medium. Um, are y'all, how familiar are y'all with that? Just to give the listeners a little bit of context. I'm very familiar with Working Girls. I wrote a review for the reissue and uh, I talked to Lizzie Borden about it on the phone once for like two hours for my review. So I'm pretty familiar with that film. I also love Working Girls. That's really amazing and awesome, Annie. Um, I also love the movie Working Girls. I, I mean, I'm kind of a fan of Lizzie Borden's across the, you know, across like all of her films. Um, but yeah, I think that Working Girls is a really excellent depiction and one of the more relatable films that I've ever seen um, regarding sex work. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really, I like that it, um, it manages to be uh, explicit and simultaneously kind of not pornographic to me. It's sort of one of those porn, you know, it when you see it and it's like, there's sex that I, for me feels like, the same thing as like when I used to make lattes, kind of watching someone go through the motions um, that and like sort of a mundane feeling to it, like the little details, like just grabbing the towel, the little little shots. 
um i just love and i have y'all who have y'all watched this movie with is one of the uh questions that i was wondering because i've watched it with a couple different people and gotten pretty wild reactions oh interesting i've only watched it by myself uh huh that's also interesting i am mostly a solo movie watcher so i've only seen it by myself um i'm pretty sure though the the first time i saw it uh was maybe about 20 years ago and i wasn't i think at the time maybe i had like had my partner take some nudie photos of me to sell. And that was like the extent of dipping my toe into sex work. So I didn't really have a, you know, any personal experience. Um, but um, yeah, this, even seeing it at that time made a big impression on me. And it was just like this really amazing depiction of, women at a job and camaraderie and like the like kind of tense social dynamics that can happen in there and yeah so even before I had real like sex work experience it still was like a really profound film for me to watch yeah I think the mundanity of it is part of the power it reminds me of there's a moment in Lizzie Borden's first film, Born in Flames, when there's a montage of women doing various jobs of labor, like childcare, construction, and there's a very brief shot of a woman putting a condom on a dick. So, it, you know, Lizzie Borden has always been interested in sex work as another form of feminized labor. And that's something that we talked about a lot when we talked about the film. Um, there is meant to be this sort of mundanity to it. Yeah. So Molly, what were some of the responses that you got from when you were watching it with people? Um, so I watched it with a couple people. I watched it with two friends, one of whom has worked in sex work Um from a slightly different perspective than I have, and one of whom who has no experience in the sex industry whatsoever. Um, and I found that those of us who, I've been in the sex industry for over a decade, and those of us who had that kind of shared experience, um, found a lot of things much more comedic. And I think if where the person who didn't have any experience was kind of like, I don't get the joke a little bit. You know what I mean? It almost like the whole film kind of feels like a nudge and a head nod and a handshake, just like down to the, like the, I don't know if y'all have ever worked in a brothel, but I literally worked in one with like a madam who used to work, but doesn't anymore. Well, maybe just occasionally for the occasional client who's like, you know, they've known a really long time. And if she's got something going on, she really needs cash. Just like down to a T for me, I was like, this is my life. This happened. You know? Yeah, I never worked in a brothel, but, um, you know, know enough people that have that it resonated. And also, I think what resonated for me the most was being a dyke that has sex with men for money. I think that was the most profound aspect of the film for me and dealing with the homophobia of other sex workers or having to hide that part of yourself from your clients um, or using it to titillate them, I think was the part that, that, that I related to the most. Mm, yeah, for sure. There was like, I could like feel myself like tense up the moment when the new girl is like, oh, what do you mean a show? I mean, oh, we have to do it together. I mean, like, I I'm afraid of dykes. And she's like, oh, it's okay. What do I look like a dyke? Um, and it's like, obviously, we know she is. But I was like, oh, God, that's like too real. And like, just having to deal with kind of, you know, bullshit. I don't know if we can swear on here, but yeah. Like oh yeah. Bullshit. Oh yeah. Swear away. <laughs> um, 
yeah, and being like, it really is like so much needing to test of like how much you can bring forward of yourself, right? With other, with even like other workers, because, you know, you can't, it's not a good idea to alienate yourself from your job. So really needing to kind of move slowly and, you know, not, not give up too much of your personal life, even with people that maybe you're like, we should be on the same team here. Yeah, totally. Totally. And it's, I mean, it's a, it's a balancing act working with, um, I found it like working with other women in an industry that's inherently kind of competitive fosters a really delicate balance in order to maintain solidarity with each other. You know, it's, um, it's part of, I think that like sex workers experience the intersection of patriarchy and capital in a way that other people simply do not. Um, but I, for me, it's like, yeah, you have to kind of walk a tightrope to balance like hiding who you are, but also showing the right parts of yourself to your coworkers and your clients and compartmentalizing those individually too, right? Because you're not going to show even while you're at work, you have to change modes if you have coworkers um, or other people around you that you have to interface with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned Born in Flames. Um, I also love Born in Flames, um, but I'm not going to go back to Born in Flames. Um, So I have this memory um, of a really early film screening that you have put on Annie um, with Girls Guts Jello early for me and my my participation in your um, your discord and all that um was for me it was tokyo decadence and that made such a stark impression on me and i have this memory actually of being in the chat room and being like wow i never want to be a pro sub and you guys were like that's horrorphobic and i was like oh my god you're right shit (laughs) i like even in my own experience i was like i was like i would never do that even though i've done so much worse shit than that just because it's like my own i have my own mental block about that um that I I had to even address my own like internalized bullshit like so directly so suddenly in order to interface with that piece of art. Yeah, it was a uh, really like I don't know, it was like the first thing I noticed. I was like, "Oh my god, these people. These people are so smart. Well, I'm out of my league here." That's a really interesting movie to contrast with Working Girls cuz it's you mentioned that Working Girls is not pornographic and Tokyo Decadence is a pink a pinku aigu a pink film uh which is a Japanese sex film basically like it's you know supposed to be titillating so that's pretty interesting to contrast with it because um it's not that it's less real but it's definitely more erotic and meant to be erotic and um, it's kind of like an Ouroboros or like meta because it's about sex work and also, you know, meant to be somewhat pornographic. So using sex work as titillation. And also we don't really see a lot of movies about pro subs. So that film in particular is interesting to talk about on the heels of Working Girls. Yeah, I've never seen that film um, so I can't speak to that, but it even just now thinking, I'm like, yeah, I don't know that I have seen a film about pro subs. Hmm. Yeah, it's like one of the only ones I've ever come across. Um, films about dominatrix are much more common, but that film is pretty unique in that it shows someone who is on the other side of that. And I think in general, I mean, it kind of mirrors life. There's not actually a lot of pro subs, you know, ratio to doms, you know, that's it's mm-hmm. not, it's a huge difference. So uh, yeah, I mean, and of course, like it's very uh, Japanese and it's like existential sort of meditations or commentary on um 
you know, capitalism and homogeneity. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, yeah, I wanted to bring it up in contrast to working girls, especially because I feel like I was wondering like who, who, which movie is for, right. Feels a little, a little different. Um, where like, like you said, it caters to like a slightly different gaze. It's like it is designed to titillate, to stimulate, and to excite you. Um, are there other movies, Japanese movies, uh, that I haven't seen a lot of pink films? Um, I know that sex work is a theme in some of them. Um, Annie, do you oh, have any more to recommend? Theme. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm just babe. I'm pink film baby here. So, <laughs> um, I mean, honestly, like you could pick out, you could pick out many, like on a list. You could point your finger to a random one on a list, and like it's probably going to have some themes related to sex work in it. Um, in the realm of the senses, is one of the most. It's not a pink film actually, but it's a very. Um, you know, so the distinction between just like a Japanese film that has sexy stuff in it and a pink film is a pink film is made by a specific like set of production companies and under a specific set of production standards. So in the realm of the senses is actually a European production made by um, a Japanese director. Um because Japan has such strict censorship laws and um, Oshima wanted to show, you know, TNA and actual, uh, you know, genitals and, you know, sex. So he couldn't do that outside of the French funding that he got. So it's not a pink film, but it does. And, you know, Japan has a different relationship with sex work than the U.S. because of the history of um hotels and geisha so it it's very it takes place in like a sex work context but not sort of in the way that we would think of it it also takes place like you know it's a period piece so it doesn't take place in present day um so that's one that's coming to mind um i would have to if you want i can like get um, the book that I have on pink films um, and like look at it for a second but that it, there's so fucking many of those movies <laughs> it's hard to um, like I'm like trying to uh, pick my brain right now and I'm only thinking of in the realm of the senses but there's so many pink films where prostitution is used as a source of titillation for um what people have previously thought of as just male viewers, but actually there's a lot of evidence that women would go see these films too. They would show in porno theaters. So um, there was a lot of, you know, interplay between uh, that aspect of sex work and showing sex work on screen. Um, one thing I was thinking back to working girls and a little bit, there's like moments of it in um in Tokyo Decadence. I just blanked the fuck out. Okay, sorry, in mm -hmm. Tokyo Decadence. I want to know what films get it right for you and what films get it super, super wrong in terms of their just like for me, like working girls gets it so right when I think about my own experience with sex work. And it's not just like a literal like this is that was that is exactly what I did, but also like that is exactly a feeling that I had, and I'm seeing that feeling portrayed. Um, and there's a bunch of new stuff that's come out with sex work as a theme. We've got the menu. Um, there was White Lotus just came out. Um, have y'all seen Zola? I watched recently. Uh, mm -hmm, have y'all yeah. seen any of these more recent sex work movies? I know we've been talking about stuff that's a little bit older. Oh, I've seen so many of them. Um, in my review for Working Girls, I talked about its relationship to other films that sort of treat sex work as mundane labor, like Zola or Cam 
Um, or Jezebel is another one about um, a black cam girl working at the beginning of the cam girl boom in the nineties. Uh, there's, yeah, there I've seen, I've seen a bunch of them and I think like Lizzie Borden was sort of on the forefront of that movement of showing sex work as labor. Yeah. I, I've also seen I've seen some of the newer ones, but I guess what what often falls flat for me in a lot of them is that there is still way too much influence of uh, either like people who have not been sex workers still really uh, driving the story or like a lot just like too many men that have like <laughs> like creative influence in a lot of these stories and even for some of the more recent films that I'm like this kind of gets it right and I've definitely like interacted with people like this while I'm working and stuff like that there is always this nagging feeling that it's like not quite told from the point of view of the worker and there is something about the writing or even the direction that the movie is pushed into where I'm like, I can tell that it is someone from the outside that is like trying, but like not really fully able to let go and let someone with more understanding take the reins. Can you think of an example, Lizanne, of some movies or scenes that you're talking about that do that yeah, for you? Totally. So actually, one that I watched recently was um, Private Chat um, or like PVT Chat. And it um, was, um, you know, about a like a guy who uh, is like scans the chat sites and he kind of gets fixated on this one person and they have a relationship. And I think Julia Fox is in it. And it was like a pretty accurate description of online sex work from my experience of having done that. But there was like the whole time I was watching it, it it, like the whole film was even kind of billed as this like quirky postmodern romance almost. And that just felt really annoying to me. <laughs> was that one made by sex workers? Like were they involved at all? You know, I don't, I don't even know um, if they had, I know it was, I'm going to look up. It was directed by a guy, um, but I don't even know if they had like any sex workers like on on site as consultants or anything. Yeah, I find that the movies like Zola or Cam or um, Jezebel or what's another one that I'm thinking of? I literally just had it in my brain, but... Oh, uh, Base Moi is another one from 2000. I don't know if y'all have seen that, but that's one of my favorite movies. Um, it, I, th I find that if sex workers are involved in the direction or writing, it's much more like on the nose. I don't believe PVT Chat had any sex workers involved in it. So that makes I, – I couldn't even actually get through that movie, so I can't speak <laughs> it. it's too, too much to it. Um, I know Julia Fox has said that she's done some dominatrix work, but I think she's maybe like kind of a clout chaser from what I hear uh, in that regard. But oh, yeah, I would really uh, not put any put any stake in that. Yeah, <laughs> but um, like Cam, for example, is written and directed by uh, Issa Metzai, who was actually a cam girl, very popular one for a number of years. Um, and Zola, like the actual Zola was involved in uh, the writing and production and Jezebel as well. Um, and um, yeah, there's so there I find that um, and Base Moi was uh, one of the co-directors and writers was uh, a, a sex worker. So I find that um, as long as there is an actual sex worker involved, um, it's usually more quote unquote realistic. 
Yeah, I found that a little bit. It's sort of a weird balance. Um, I don't know if y'all have seen Hustlers, which is the, mm -hmm. um, yeah, the strip club movie with, as people just are like, oh, the strip club movie with Cardi B. And I'm like, yes, the strip club movie with Cardi B. Um, but there were dancers as consultants. Jack the Stripper, if y'all know her, was a consultant mm -hmm. on that movie. Um, Cardi B, of course, was in fact a dancer. All, but my big qualm with it, well, my big ethical qualm with it was that the women whose the original story was based on were not um, consulted and they also weren't actually paid for their story uh, at all. Um, but that it has a lot of it has the kind of like dancer handshake in some ways but it's still so sensationalized you have you know of course you have it starring um j-lo and michelle is it michelle yo holy shit it better be michelle yo no um what's her name i forget her name but michelle yo is um much older but let's yeah hustler why am i blanking on her name constance Wu. constance Wu. jesus yes. sorry i'm gonna look like a dick for that one but that's okay so hustlers constance Wu. <laughs> exactly so hustlers of course starts constance Wu and jennifer lopez um so it's not it's not as quite as like by and for sex workers as i would really love a depiction of life in a titty bar to be um and i think there are some that are a little more um sympathetic to the dancer's point of view than even Hustlers is, although it has its real moments of being like, oh shit, you have to tip out every single staff member or whatever before you get to leave. And like the exploit, it does like showcase it as a, like an exploitative industry, which it is in my experience. Yeah. And then there's movies like Paul Verhoeven's Showgirls and like Paul Verhoeven wasn't a stripper, but um, I think part of why that movie was so controversial is because of how sympathetic it was to the sex worker characters and it's like very glam and sensationalized because the movie is meant to mimic old Hollywood musicals uh, like uh, or old Hollywood showbiz movies like movies about the show business. It's supposed to be like a star is born esque. Um, so it's very like sensationalized, but it's also like quite um, empathetic and real in some ways. So it's not always – that doesn't always happen. It depends, you know, who's at the helm. But, yeah, there are definitely movies that aren't made by sex workers that are still pretty, if not, like, realistic in the trenches realism, at least um, – and I don't require realism from movies because, you know, it's fiction. It's a movie. Um, but, it, you know, as long as it's not trying to be – something it's not, uh, which I show showgirls isn't to me. It's trying to be like a sensational old Hollywood big budget production. Um, there is a lot of um, not empathy because you have to have experienced the thing to have empathy, but at least like a sympathetic lens. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I would really agree with that. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I also don't need realism <laughs> in my movies and in fact I tend to like the movies that are quite off kilter um anyway and sensationalized and actually you know even as you're saying that like something that comes to mind um for me is Crimes of Passion uh oh, love that movie yeah, directed by Ken Russell right so that is like uh obviously like I mean, it's very Ken Russell and like the just like the coloring of the film and just the even really stylized dialogue throughout. Um, but it feels like more real than a lot of movies that are trying to be like, this is a real just depiction of life or something, you know? Yeah, I mean, I love I love that film and I think what I love about Showgirls and Crimes of Passion, it, which is very, very different than something like Working Girls, is that it has sex work in it, but it's not actually about sex work. Like sex work is a symbol for something else or, you know, kind of the apotheosis of the sex wars or like relationships between men and women and exploitation and capitalism. And that is 
often more interesting to me than um, just a straight up sort of realistic depiction of what sex work is actually like. Um, but that's just my personal sensibility. Uh, so I think those films are successful because they're not like, we are going to show you what prostitution is really like. <laughs> I would be curious if you guys have seen the other Ken Russell movie, Whore, um, starring Teresa Russell, no. uh, which is like much grittier and um, meant to be more of a sort of naturalistic representation, but still with that like Ken Russell madness. It's really great if you can get your hands on it. It's not my favorite Ken Russell movie, but um, it's a very interesting film. It's about a street sex worker in LA and just kind of going through her day and she's narrating her life and like the clients that she sees. And it's much more in your face, realistic. And that is something that's not made by sex workers at all, uh, but is still, you know, quite it's, and it's sensational because like, yeah, it's kind of supposed to bank on Teresa Russell's sex appeal and how you want to fuck her. Uh, but it's also quite um, realistic. Mm, yeah, I have not seen it, but um, yeah, I had actually recently just listened to um Karina Longworth talking mm -hmm. about it on her podcast in contrast to Pretty Woman, which weirdly was, I mean, I don't know, weirdly, whatever. That was a film that like we had on VHS at my house growing up. So my brother Same. and I, as like children, were regularly watching that movie. And for some reason, my parents were like, that's okay. Even though they were up, like very conservative in a lot of other ways. Yeah, that my parents let me watch anything, so it doesn't surprise me that they had that. But I, I just always remember that it was like so such a romantic comedy, uh, and then I remember taking it to. I didn't like sort of process as a kid that it was wrong to to do sex work, quote unquote, um, because my parents kind of let me watch anything and my parents were sort of openly like, prostitution should be legal. Uh, so I didn't really register to me that that was like controversial until I brought the VHS to a friend's house and her mom was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so funny. My parents were also really like, prostitution should be legal. And I'm like, is this how we ended up here? Um, yeah. But um, are there other movies, though, that you um, – for me, I have the, like, I have, like, horror roots sort of category. I, like, feel like they come up every – sometimes I'll see something from my childhood and I'll be like, oh, yeah. And sometimes they're really innocuous, like uh, Sarah Jessica Parker and Hocus Pocus. I was like, oh, I want to use my sexuality to get what I want or whatever. Of course, that's totally. not – necessarily how sex work works but um are there movies like that from either from your childhood or that you came across later where you were like yes that totally makes sense now that I think about it that aren't about sex work they don't have to be just but that maybe inspired you in that or that uh spoke to you maybe Poison Ivy directed by Kat Shea who also did Strip to Kill um and interestingly, for Strip to Kill, Kat Shea worked in a club for a period of time as a stripper so that she could, you know, sort of responsibly – well, she was inspired by by doing that to to make this film. Um, she was dared by her, her boyfriend at the time. He was like, you would never do that. And she was like, okay, watch me. And then she did it and she made this movie through Roger Corman's production company, Roger Corman, who's like a horror sleaze king. Um, and was he was like, as long as there's TNA, like, go for it. <laughs> so um, I didn't see that when I was a kid. I saw Strip to Kill when I was an adult. But Poison Ivy with Drew Barrymore definitely was like a horror route for me where I was like, oh, I want to 
seduce old men and make them give me everything. So yeah, that's definitely one of them. And then Showgirls, because I saw that when I was in high school and I was like, well, I'm never going to be a stripper because I don't have the physical stamina or the body type for it. But I know that I want to be beautiful and glamorous like this, even though I also know that I'm not interested in dudes. So I think sex work for me sort of became a way to um, play with heterosexuality uh, from a distance and also like high femme aesthetic. Yeah. I also saw Poison Ivy when I was, God, I don't know, maybe middle school. And that was like very um, informative to me about aesthetics and yeah, the way to move in the world. Um, also, I, you know, I don't know how much of this is connected, but in my mind, um, I had a fixation on Jessica Rabbit um, as a very young child and would like walk around the house being Jessica Rabbit and like had this silk. It was just like a square of silk that I just like wrapped around myself like it was a sleeveless gown um, <laughs> or strapless gown. So I feel like Jessica Rabbit's in there. Um, and then I know that you really hate the, the twee, Annie, but I'm going to have to say that I also watched Breakfast at Tiffany's on repeat in middle school, full well knowing. Is that twee? Well, I don't know. I think a lot of people think it is, but I was like, I also in middle school was like, I'm better than everyone else that doesn't know that this is based on a book and she is an escort and why don't people know that and I thought I was like so proud for knowing that but also yeah I was like she knows what's up she was able to kind of hook up this life that she wanted for herself in New York and it was very inspiring yeah the book is better though yeah the book is better yeah <laughs> I had a reaction. I think this will probably out me as being pretty fucked up, but um, one of my horrors was also Stanley Kubrick's Lolita. Um, oh, totally. Had, like, you know, she's sold as this like seductress man eater, right? And I like immediately went out and read the book and was like, whoa, this is a different thing. But, um, you know, I saw that at probably too young of an age. Uh, and that really like you know, I was like, I want that kind of power. I want someone to be that desperate for what I have. Yeah, that was always the driving force was like the power of it. Um, and, you know, just being admired as a beautiful object. That was always kind of the appeal for me when I was younger um, and seeing movies like that. Yeah, Lolita was totally a route for me too. I saw that movie and read that book really, really young. Um, I read Breakfast at Tiffany's really, really young too. I don't consider it twee. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I I think it's more like coquette adjacent, <laughs> like uh, more, you know, gamine, uh, I'm such a sad, pretty little girl <laughs> sort of uh, aesthetic. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of other movies i mean anything that has like a slut in a horror movie dying was <laughs> totally a totally. root for me like anything with oh. sluts like Tales i was like crypt, yeah, bordello of me. blood yeah Sorry, bordello of blood you. i saw no i saw bordello of blood in high school too and i was like yeah that's yeah, i mean yeah. for me like seeing sex workers in movies i was always like i'm not really sure if i want to be this or i just like want to pay these women uh turns out it was both but yeah that was also the interesting um dynamic being like a queer woman and watching those movies yeah and i think there is something too of you know already knowing from a young age that I didn't really fit in with a lot of my peers and like already feeling like an outsider. And so like identifying with the marginalized characters in the movies and like the villains in the movies and, um, you know, even, yeah, watching horror movies, like the sex workers are always like killed early on, but it was like, those are the characters that I wanted to keep watching 
and I would like rewind and you know, cause we would rent the movies from Blockbuster or whatever. And I would rewind and watch the parts w- with those characters over and over because those were the like glamorous, more fun characters. So. Yeah, absolutely. I remember seeing true romance at too young an age and being like, Oh, a glamorous Hollywood call girl. Let's be perfect. <laughs> That'll be exactly yeah, what it's like. With this- even the more like gritty movies, like f- something like Freeway, um, which isn't particularly glamorous, I was still like, yeah, that's me. Like there was just something about the sex worker as outlaw also in these movies that I really identified with because, you know, like Lizanne, I was like a weirdo and didn't get along with my peers. So the idea – and part of why I didn't get along is because of my – overt interest in sex and sexuality and like sort of my refusal to hide that or like demure like a lot of my peers so even when it wasn't glamorous even when it was more gritty like in something like freeway um i was still drawn or like requiem for a dream like i was still drawn to those characters because i was like these are outsiders and i'm an outsider yeah, absolutely. I feel that so strongly. Like, who? Like, chills. I'm just like, yeah. Like, it's really the when you, yeah, it's outlaw life. It really is. It's like, oh, I guess I'll grow up to be a professional criminal. Yeah, I mean, it just kind of showed me a path. Like, I, and I was like, and everybody hates these women. And I hear people talking about, I mean, the first time I was ever called a whore was when I was 10 years old. So I was like, oh, that's me. Like, I just knew from a very early age that, you know, there was something about me that bothered people. Uh, And, you know, like incited them. And I could see in these films too, and also the way that people would talk about sex workers that I I just felt like an immediate kinship. I can even remember like um, growing up in New York and walking down the street with my mom and I saw this you know, this woman outside a building and she was like in a really skimpy outfit and she was wearing these like, I'll never forget these like blue patent leather heels with like hearts on the toes. And I said to my mom, she looks like she's waiting for someone. And my mom just turns to me and nods. Uh, And that moment like really stuck in my mind. I can remember her face and like what she was wearing like so clearly. And I just really identified with these women from a very, very young age. So how do you guys feel? We've talked, we've sort of run the gamut in the movies that we've talked about so far, but how do you feel that portrayals of sex work compare to portrayals of other careers? I know we've touched on it a little bit, but like, especially um, other careers that were are not necessarily falling under the umbrella of the feminized labor and visible labor or emotional labor um, kind of spectrum where these like, I'm like, I think about when people have these sensational, it's like people don't want to deal with the realism of like, also what is a lawyer's day look like? They want like a sensational TV show or whatever, but do you you feel like there's any comparison? Well, you could think of something like body of evidence, which is about lawyers and a dominatrix. (laughs) And I actually think that lawyers is another one of those professions that sort of gets like glamorized or used for like a sensational plot element. I mean, I think that all careers sort of just get like flattened and collapsed in film. I think it's really like you know, difficult to show the reality or not difficult, but that's just not the point of the movie. Um, So I think that sex work is unique in that it's a really good excuse to show tits and ass and like people fucking. So I think that that gets used a lot in film because of that. Um, But I don't necessarily think that portrayals of a sex worker more exploitative or glamorized than other professions. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I think just like all professions, sex work is not a monolith. 
right? Like there's so many ways to participate in it. And there's just so many different experiences that people can have with it. And um, generally, yeah, like a lot of the mundane parts of most jobs, it's really hard to make good art about it. <laughs> so yeah, or it's just like yeah. not the point. You yeah. know, you can think of something like um, like a John Cassavetes movie, uh, like Opening Night or Woman Under the Influence, where the point is like the uh, mind numbing sort of like torture and mundanity of it of the experience but a lot of movies that's just the goal is not realism you know like the goal is to seduce and entertain the viewer um and then there are movies like a john cassavetes movie which is like a a more inherently punishing experience (laughs) and it was sort of meant to be so um i think it's just i think you know, when people sort of call for realism, um, I think it's like misguided because there's just like a lot of different ways that movies function. And for some movies, that's not the point. Like the, it's not, that's not the point of the movie, like something like body of evidence. Like, yeah, we know that like the courtroom does not work like that. (laughs) Like that's not, that's not the point of the movie. The point is to like, uh, seduce the viewer into the uh, human drama going on in like the most like scintillating way. Yeah, I had someone make the argument to me the other day that like art about sex work in general um, without qualifications is inherently transgressive. And I was just kind of like, hmm. I'm not so sure about that, right? It's kind of like, it also just gets chewed up and spit out by capitals in the same way everything else does, right? It's just like part of the cycle. Yeah, I mean, movies have always had a relationship to, excuse me, movies have always had a relationship to porn and women's bodies. So I don't agree with that. Like, I think that's just like baked into the industry and the history of the film industry. And I don't really think that there's anything transgressive about using women's bodies to make money um that's just patriarchy uh even though you know i love a lot of these films like something like showgirls gets greenlit because the producers are like oh yeah there's gonna be a lot of tits in this like people are gonna go see it so uh while there might be like transgressive themes within it or something like base moi which is like an independent film and is made by sex workers about sex work like that's transgressive but i don't think the topic itself is inherently transgressive just because of the way that it's been baked into specifically the hollywood film industry yeah and also that i mean sex work is just as pervasive as any other job as well so it's i'm like it it happens everywhere and all sorts of people do it and interact with workers and it's just not as talked about right so i don't necessarily think that just highlighting it is anything like that you should that that is like that extra special um yeah yeah i feel like at the end of the day it's like part of the thing where it's just like sex work is work right it's also in some ways it is just a job and what happens to it happens to other jobs yeah and it's not even that uncommon of a job (laughs) yeah totally you know totally yeah, and yeah. like I said, all jobs are used in movies at like like doctors, lawyers, police, like you know, there's very, you know, these are kind of like the heavy hitter jobs like you would be hard pressed to think of some like a job about an accountant, even though of course there are some, but like more quote unquote boring jobs. Um but I think anything that like the public finds fascinating uh is gonna be used in film to titillate and excite and that's just the nature of film like it's the perverts medium like it's inherently voyeuristic and 
uh, you know, that's, that's just kind of part of it. Yeah. Um, I, is there anything else y'all want to touch on before we wrap up? I think that could also be a good place to end where sex work is work, uh, decrim now, uh, do y'all want to, anything, any lasting, lasting points of interest? No. No? Yeah, no, okay. I think that, that was pretty much everything. <laughs> I mean, we Whoa. didn't talk about, like, gay sex workers in movies, like men or anything like that, but maybe another episode. <laughs> yeah, so there's actually, while we're doing our little plugs, I'll just jump right into it and then let you guys uh, let people know where you can be found if you want to be found. Um, there will be another episode of this, uh, the Anarcho Geek Power Hour, or what is acting as that, um, coming out in a hopefully not too distant future that is going to look at sex work through the gaze of AMAB people doing sex work as gay men. Um, so that is, that is coming for sure, um. And, uh, yeah, I am Molly Badam. I'm on Instagram. You can find me. It's Molly, M-O-L-L-Y dot B-D-A-M-N, Molly Badam. Annie, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at girlsgutsgiallo, and you can also find me on Twitter at girlsgutsgiallox. And you can listen to my podcast, Girls Guts Giallo, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for coming. What about you, Luzanne? Um, you can find me on Instagram at fem.disaster. And uh, I guess on Twitter at L-I-Z-X-N-N. But I'm currently taking a little Twitter break because I'm having a hard time over there right now. So, <laughs> so mostly just Instagram. Find me on Instagram or, you know, if you're in New Orleans, find me in person um, because I teach in-person classes all over the city. So, yeah. Excellent. Thank you so much. Signing out. This is Radio 66.6.